We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Uncontested Podcast, talking Oklahoma City Thunder basketball and the wider NBA. Sam Presti said, lower the hatch, load up the cannon, and get the tank out rolling. Catch new episodes after each Thunder game and every Sunday night. This is a house of learning doctors. Follow the Uncontested on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube to catch new content as it drops. I mean, a cat and a dog connected together? This is Lou Dork. You're listening to the Uncontested. What is up? Welcome to the Uncontested Podcast. We are a part of the Blue Wire Podcast, the official podcast of SI Thunder. We're coming to you live with our last Wednesday show, gentlemen, before we officially hit post-game season. I, for one, could not be happier. So we're on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook here on Wednesday, September 29th. Just a programming note for everybody tuning in live or listening to the pod version. After tonight, we will have our live shows on Sunday night, and then we will do live post-game shows that drop as podcasts as well. And that's it. No more Wednesday regular Wednesday show, just post games and then the Sunday night live stream. So make sure you subscribe to YouTube. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and definitely hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts at. I am your host for the evening, Jacob Niffen. Got my man, Justin Peabody with me tonight. Hello, everybody. The man making the magic happen. JD Silva is here. It is hot. (laughs) And sexy and popping. Uh, Blaine, you're absolutely right. I do have a different angle for every pod. Silva has just been pulling random quotes from every podcast as drops. I love it. Yeah, I'm into it, man. I do think Silva is also hot and sexy. So Hey, save that for after the pod. Okay. Uncontested after dark. Apologies. Mm-hmm. Apologies. Gentlemen, we have had... OKC Thunder Media Day. We've had league-wide Media Day. Lots of fireworks league-wide. Bradley Beal shooting from the hip. Mm-mm. Andrew Mm-mm. Wiggins doubling down. Kyrie mm-hmm. going live on Instagram. Uh-huh. Everything kind of low-key in Thunderland. Just the Thank way God. Sam Presti likes it. Thank goodness. Let's. And then we've also had two days of Thunder training camp practice. Before we talk about the league-wide stuff, before we talk about Training camp stuff. Anything you guys want to take away or chat about from Thunder Media Day that took place this past Monday, late morning, early afternoon? Uh, get ready to suck. As if you weren't prepared already. I mean that that's kind of the takeaway. What what um, what from Monday gave you that vibe, Justin? We're focused on what was the wording like laying the foundation, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, I don't know if y'all know this, but the foundation is not how you get to the top. The foundation that was the very top. Michael Jordan esque. Yes. The ceiling is the roof. <laughs> the foundation is not the roof. Um, <laughs> we are at the beginning stages of this thing. Uh, that's that's what that means. We are laying a foundation. We're at the beginning stages of roster exploration, finding out who's a guy and who's not a guy, and that just points to there being a long a long way to go before you reach the roof which is the championship which is the ceiling (laughs) yes no uh 
that vibe definitely came across. The young players seemed very confident. I also have the 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 rescue dog is in the podcast room with me tonight. Uh, what if the you're dog on the doing? <laughs> <laughs> if you're on the live stream. Aw, look at that little floof. Here's the know. idiot. He's just he's just posted up. Um Colin in chat says that Roby was mentioned a lot by other players during media day, which he definitely was and was very interesting. Um, I know that uh, Josh Giddy shouted him out. Um, Kenrich Williams shouted him out. I think mm-hmm. Shea Gilgis Alexander shouted him out. Uh, lots of love for Isaiah Roby, which is interesting because I think if you pulled us all before media day and we said, you know, 10 players probably going to be in the rotation. That means five players aren't. Who are those five? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of us probably would have guessed Roby. Is that fair? Mm, yeah. Like if I would have yeah. asked you this time last week, Justin, who's going to play more in the rotation, Jeremiah Robinson, Earl, or Isaiah Roby, who would you have said? Uh, yeah, probably JRE. Especially if we're thinking like long-term. I could see Roby getting more at the beginning of the season as JRE adjusts, but over time, for sure. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't think we were really invested like that with uh, with Roby, but maybe I was wrong. Then again, just because a player likes a guy doesn't mean he's part of the long term plan. So very true. It's different than if you know Dagnall had really leaned into that or Sam Presti. I think it's still his age for me that makes me wonder what his role is long term. But I'm sure he's a great guy to have around and. Sure. Could be the uh, perfect starting center for us to be top three odds. Yes. Yes. Now we're talking. So I kind of want to get into that, which means getting into training camp stuff. So any other media day things you guys want to talk to? Poku talked about how you can bench press a lot more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Justin took to the the shitty Photoshop uh, route uh, along with our buddy Nick Crane. Hey. Uh, it was great Photoshop. Thank you. It was, it was highly uh, realistic. It was not up to the Justin standards. I'll give you that. <laughs> um, but so Poku does seem to be stronger. I don't know if he if he's like physically like bigger, like visibly bigger. Um, he does not appear to be visibly bigger. Whoever like on the, the Twitter account for us posted the last year and this year. Um, yeah, Poku that was picture. Me. Okay. Reminded me a lot of, I, I'm sure you've seen it if you've been on Twitter much, but, um, oh, what's the crazy info war guy's name? Alex Jones. Alex oh, Jones. No. Have you seen that before? And then it says like 60 days yeah. later with him with he's a shirt off and there's, there's, he's just red. There's no <laughs> other difference. That's what that Poku picture reminds me of. He got a tan. Uh, <laughs> another guy that was mentioned at media day that man, like. I'm just having such a love-hate relationship with. I can't figure out what he's going to do. This dog keeps trying to chew these cords. I'm about to assassinate him. <laughs> is Darius Baisley. Mm-hmm. We heard a lot about, especially from like unprompted from Sam Presti, about Darius Baisley and his growth and what this year will mean for him. Interesting stuff. What do you guys think and what do you expect from Baisley out of camp and out of these preseason games? Yeah, I wrote a little bit about his comments uh, on the Thunder SI blog, and his uh, he doesn't really have an identity as a player at this point. So his comments about you know strength training in the offseason, wanting to be more like versatile on the defensive end, that at least told me something. Like he's looking for a role at this point, and his role is okay. I can defend three, maybe four positions on the court at some point, uh, but obviously things like being effective on the offensive end when he's not a, a main part of that offense is important too. Yeah, I think I think it is absolutely a critical year for Baisley. We've talked about it before. Of This is the year where it feels like he's got to show some growth in his game or else it's maybe time to move on. If not time to move on, I think it's like the acknowledgement that, okay, we know what Bays is. And I don't think he's like a crucial piece of the Thunder future if he continues this trajectory. So I think it's an important year for him to kind of show us a little bit more 
than what we've seen from him. More development in his game on both ends of the floor and how he can carve out a role on this team moving forward. Definitely. One thing that I've thought a lot about with Baisley recently, when you look at the trajectory of NBA careers, you can typically tell if a player is going to be like an all-NBA type of guy, an all-star guy, uh, a starter, a bench player, a fringe rotation player, uh, out of the rotation or out of the league. You can typically tell those things pretty early on. Now, that's not to say that that is like 100% set in stone. I think a great example of that is a guy like Jeremy Grant, Mm -hmm. who his first two years in the league looked borderline unplayable and is now playing for Team USA and a really, really freaking good basketball player. But I also think Jeremy Grant is the exception to the rule. Yep. There, there's You have a much smaller percentage chance of making that jump later. And so seeing what we've seen from Baisley for his first two years of his career, I think you're already starting to get a glimpse of who he is going to be in the league. Now, there's a lot of other factors. He's played on a not really good team. He's been injured. He's had, you know, along with all the other players that are going to year three, just a crazy two years in the NBA. Yep. Uh, there, there's a lot of different factors here. He's still super young. But I just kind of start to wonder, like, is Baisley, quote unquote, like finding it and figuring it out? Meaning, does, does that mean he is a bench player? Like a solid seventh man? Yeah, it could is, be. Is that where where we should be on Baisley's like highest outcome, like highest attainable outcome is is bench player? Unless unless he takes like a crazy jump, I mean, I think so. It's a solid rotation guy who's going to give you valuable minutes. You know, the other example that came into my mind when you were talking about Jeremy Grant was like a campaign. Who oh, that's another good was one. awesome for the Suns this last year, but like up to this point, what has he really shown in the mm-hmm. NBA and, and including that stint in Oklahoma City, where yes, it can happen later, but that's the exception, not the rule. So it's not to say that you know Baisley won't ever amount to anything in the NBA if he doesn't show out this year, but it definitely feels like a year where you hope to see him take some kind of growth leap. But I'm with you, Jacob. I think overall unless he takes some sort of massive leap, which would just be kind of shocking. I think, yeah, solid rotation guy is probably, you know, the, the role that he can carve out for the thunder and in the NBA as a whole. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because after this season, he is extension eligible. And so what does he do this season and how much money is his market? Like how much can you extend him for? Right. Uh, Most of the time a guy won't sign an extension, especially him being with clutch. A guy yep. won't sign an extension after his third year unless it's like a massive extension, you know? Yep. Is his best case scenario like a Thaddeus Young type of guy? That kind of feels like where it's at at this point, you know? Maybe like a Jermichael Green just hanging on. He's always like a backup big or a backup wing that can guard a bunch of different guys, but yep. never strings together a lot of offensive consistency. Maybe that's him. Yeah. That's him. He's he's a smart player, I think. Just and he talked a lot about he knows he can shoot. I'm interested to see if that's a reality this season. I think that's that's the biggest swing thing for him. He's got some athleticism. He struggles at the rim a lot. I still think he finishes very small and timid and low at the rim, mm-hmm. especially like what we saw last season. If the three ball is there, he's got a little bit of a handle. He can pass a little bit. He can play defense. He, he kind of has that modern Thunder mold, the kind of jack-of-all-trades kind of guy. So it's going to be interesting to see. Let's Just move on. put it together. Exactly. Let's move on to training camp, though. There's been two days of training camp. Anything significant that you've heard or seen from camp so far that jumps off the page to you? I will kick us off. There's been a lot of talk, especially today, and a little bit at Media Day as well, about Josh Giddy's defense. Yeah. That's, that's exciting to hear. That, that's surprising to me. Yeah. If he can defend, we're talking like if he can defend and if the three point shot can come around and it is real, like that's maybe a steal at six. Mm, hot take alert. 
Uh, yeah. So long as he doesn't like trip over his own feet and sprain his ankle again. Yeah. Um, no, it is encouraging though. That was a piece of his game that you didn't know what that would look like in the NBA. And we obviously didn't get to see any of it at summer league. So yeah, if he comes in with some good defensive instincts, things that can be honed and crafted and adapted as he gets up to NBA gameplay. That's very exciting. He's got the physical tools, the length at that position Mm -hmm. to be very intriguing on the defensive end. If he has the skills to back it up, like you said, Jacob, uh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready to, to hit the steal button yet, but it makes him more valuable at that six pick for sure. If he can fix his wonky shot, be solid on defense and bring the passing that everybody knew him for, that's a really solid player, but that was also a lot of ifs that I just said. So um, I think it, it'll be exciting to watch. I'm, I'm ready to see it in action for sure. Let's say we see it in action Monday night. And then again, I think they play another preseason game the following Sunday. They go like six days in between preseason games. And let's say the defense looks pretty solid from him. Not great because I don't think you can expect greatness from yep. an 18 about to be 19 year old on the defensive end. But <laughs> yeah. let's say he knows what he's doing. He's in the right positions for the most part. Um, he He's playing well. If the defense looks good, do you think he starts? Yes. I, that, was a, that was a pretty quick answer from. Silver. That was pretty quick. <laughs> I'm firing and waiting that boys. I don't know that preseason matters much like summer league. Um, this is a lesson that you, we, <laughs> we learned last year when we were all certain that, uh, Isaiah Roby was going to be cut and that Frankie smokes was going to make the roster. And that clearly didn't happen. Uh, Roby was a disaster in preseason last year, like a complete nightmare looked completely lost. And then something happened and the season started and he looked fine. So I, would argue I don't think it matters what Josh Giddy looks like in preseason. If he looks completely lost, people on Twitter.com are going to have their hot takes ready. That's for sure. But I don't outside of that, I don't think it matters at all. I don't know that it matters five games into the season, 10 games into the season. Like he could he could look lost till the all-star break. As long as there's progress there, I think that's all that matters. Um and I don't know. I don't know when that breaking point will come, but what I do know is that preseason doesn't matter yes and i don't the thunder kind of like how poku did not play in summer league they clearly have their own individual development tracks yep these players so if not being great at defense is uh expected on on uh giddy's development track then i think he's gonna play either way yep it's interesting i think the argument that a lot of people come down to is there's two forward spots although this team plays like you know, untraditional positions or whatever. We know Shea and Dort are going to start. We mm-hmm. assume Derek Favors is going to start. But then there's those two forward spots. And then there's three guys that I think a lot of fans presume will fill those two of those spots and Giddy, Poku, and Baisley. So it's going to be interesting to kind of see who's the odd man out there. Giddy the definitely Derek- is the one with, with the least amount of experience but he might be the best player of the three as of right now as well. Certainly the most important to the Thunder's future, which as we heard, he's the biggest piece of the Thunder's foundation to use that word. There you, you think he's bigger to the foundation than Poku? Mm, good question. That is a good question. Uh, ask me in 60 games. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll take a the- note. 60 games. The other thing I was going to say is that that's probably another notable thing that's come out of media day and training camp is that uh, the Derek favors load management train is moving forward at full speed. And that makes me feel very excited. I was about to bring up the same thing. So is it a lock that Derek favor starts at center? No, no. Oh, if he doesn't start at center, who does Roby? Poku. He's listed as a center on the training (laughs) camp roster. So, I do not think they will start Mike Muscala. Yeah, I don't either. No. I could see Roby. I could see Roby. Um, and then obviously Derek Favors. Yeah. 
But I think, uh, yeah, I think you're going to see. It just feels like the groundwork is being laid for Derek Favors to miss a lot of games. Like, yeah. I don't care what is going on with his knees. Like, and I don't think it actually matters what that feels like is like, all right, first opportunity to speak to the media. Derek Fazer, Favors has knee issues. Like, let's just go ahead and get that on paper. And that gives us a free pass to sit him whenever we want for the rest of the season. Yep. Although Derek Favors isn't necessarily helping you. Like, he's not the reason you are winning games. For sure. Right? But like, the gap between Favors and Roby is not that big. But outside um, of winning games, it's developmental time. 100%. Yes, yes 100%. He's it's taking not like minutes. the Al Horford issue of last year where no. he was like very clearly, very clearly helping you win basketball. Correct. Yeah. Also, did you like guys that. see from Boston Celtics media day, Al Horford said he talked to Sam Presti about how he wanted to go back to Boston. That's how that trade came to be. Pretty cool. Sam Presti is a man of the people. 100%. You got to do what you can in a small market. That's right. All right, gentlemen, any other thoughts on training camp, media day, et cetera, before we jump into um, previewing some more teams? Is it just me or does the training camp content seem light from the Thunder this year? Like, I feel like last year it was like lots of pictures and videos and highlight Mm -hmm. clips of them practicing and getting after it. And like, there's been a couple pictures, but that's it. And like, I don't know. I kind of was like, did training camp actually happen? Yeah, it's been very kind of low-key. Yeah, it's interesting. And like they were practicing at the old practice facility. Yep, the dog facility. No, the rock and roller rink, Jacob. Yeah, the rock and roll. Dude, you don't got to tell me about the rock and roller. (laughs) My punk rock band when I was 13 years old played our first concert ever at the rock and roller rink. I love that. I went to many a birthdays at the rock and roller rink. Heck yes. Smells strongly of Purina dog food. (laughs) <laughs> gotta take those kids back to the roots man i Shea love it and and dort mm-hmm. giddy gotta gotta find out what okc basketball is built yeah. on right it's very interesting that decision so uh before we move on we got to bring up blaine's question here oh no oops there we go <laughs> what are the odds that the thunder become the dumping ground for guys that are unvaccinated like wiggins for example especially since we could sit them and not have them play to improve our own pick. I'm going to go with zero. <laughs> I think I'm with you. Yeah, I think I'm There's with you too. There's a reason every Thunder player is vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Yes. There's and... a reason the Thunder have one of the more strict fan vaccination policies of every team in the league. Mm-hmm. They are, uh, they're pretty serious about it. I'm like, I'm going to keep some comments to myself. I don't think Presti is going to actively trade for anti-vaxxers. Nope. No. And I think if he trades for a player that is not vaccinated, a requirement of the trade is probably you got to get the needle in your arm. And I think the dumping ground narrative gets a lot worse if we're all of a sudden taking on unvaccinated guys and not getting a lot back for them. Because I don't know, like, what, what would you get for trading for Andrew Wiggins? I don't know. COVID. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to dive into this stuff too deep because I mean, I have my opinions there. My opinions are pretty yep. public on this. Mm-hmm. Andrew Wiggins has a chance to miss out on $17 million. Unbelievable. Dude, if I was Steph Curry, I'd fist fight the guy. <laughs> you know? Oh, and yeah, I did see Draymond Green wearing a shirt. I don't know if, if it was real or not. It wasn't. Um, but it said something like, F it, get the shot. And I was like, yeah. God, you know Draymond. Like, <laughs> Draymond's not afraid to kick the penis, you know? Mm. He will go to town on Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> COVID shot in the arm or what is that? Steven that Adams' field goal kick to the nope. nuts. Which don't do you want? want that. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so. I do love Steven Adams wearing number four. Hey. Yes. The wholesome content I'm here for, baby. So good. All his media day interviews were so good. Talking about getting punched by Zach <laughs> Randolph. Now he's the asshole. <laughs> yes. I love him. Oh, man. National treasure, Stephen Adams. All right, gentlemen. Let's get on to previewing some more basketball teams. Dun, dun, dun. We This is our second to last one. We're doing tonight, and then we are doing Sunday night, and we are done. Tonight, we're going to do the Northwest Division. 
with the exception of the Oklahoma City Thunder, they get their own special episode of the mm. season preview. Favoritism. Yes. So let's do the Northwest Division. We're going to go over the Denver Nuggets, the Minnesota Timberwolves, the Portland Trailblazers, and the Utah Jazz. Let's start with Denver. Last season, 47-25, and 25, third in the West. They were really, really good until, unfortunately, Jamal Murray goes down with an ACL tear. Was that right, ACL? I think that was right. Yes. Uh, and then they end up going out in the second round of the playoffs uh, after taking out the Portland Trailblazers in the first round. Of- We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So, the Nuggets signed Marcus Howard, Jeff Green, Bones Highland, and brought back Will Barton, Jamichael Green, and Austin Rivers. Um, a lot of rotation guys. Nobody that's like, you know, no big superstar shine, signing. Nobody that's making a big splash. But it's a it's a solid group of rotation guys that can complement their core. I think what it all comes down to um, is one Jamal Murray, obviously how he adapts and comes back from that injury. Um, but then two, I think the most interesting thing looking at their roster is Aaron Gordon. Um, Gordon was on fire before he went to the nuggets and it looked like it was going to be just this incredible place for Aaron Gordon to take it to another level. And I don't know that he did that. So does another, you know, does a full off season and another chance to, to work with the nuggets help. Does that get him back into a rhythm? Does that get him into a a place where he's playing at a higher level? Like we saw him do, uh, or is it more of the same? Is it just not a great fit? I do think Jokic will make him look good. Um, he doesn't do well whenever he's asked to score a lot for whatever reason, even though we've seen that he can, he can make the three um, on a somewhat consistent basis. I do think with Jamal Murray being out for, I, I assume it's projected most of the year and he'll come back the last two months or so with Aaron Gordon being the third option. I do think he'll be able to flex his offensive ability a little bit more, get more reps, but the majority of things are going to go to Michael Porter jr. Who just signed a max extension and Jokic, of course. Yeah, obviously Jokic, the the centerpiece of this team. I think whenever Jamal Murray is fully healthy and if he can come back like he was, I think this is a title contending team. The problem is, like you just said, Silva, Jamal Murray probably not playing basketball this year. Mm -hmm. And if he does, it's in a very limited capacity. But you get him back, you have Will Barton, Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter Jr., Nikola Jokic. They have a really solid bench. Uh, Just... They're a really, really good team, and they're spending the money like a really good team should. Now, obviously, Michael Porter Jr. taking the leap, right? That contract's not for what he's done, but what he's capable of. He's got to make that leap. 
But if he is able to make that leap with Jamal Murray out, that team becomes very lethal, I think. Do you think yep. he stays the second option whenever Jamal Murray comes back? Or do Michael you Porter think Jr.? He... No. Yes. Like your your offense is geared around Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. That's maybe maybe the best one-two pick and roll combo, one of the best in the league. Is it not? You're probably right. Especially I mean, with Jokic's passing ability. Right. Yeah. I mean, they can run an inverted 5-1 pick and roll, and it works out just fine. Mm-hmm. So they're, they I think they're a good team. Over under. Think, oh, sorry. You, go ahead. I was going to say, do you think Jokic can replicate this season? Like, does he have another one in him? I think. I think. I think close to. Maybe not the same season, because that, that last season was legendary. Mm-hmm. Not that level. But I think he can still be exceptionally good. I don't think he's going to win MVP. Yeah. I don't think there's a chance he wins MVP. But he's still really, really good. And I think he replicates something close to that. I think Michael Porter Jr. is a little bit better. I think Aaron Gordon's a little bit better. I think some of their French pieces get a little bit better. Uh, and if they if they had Jamal Murray around, they'd be legit. I thought you said French pieces. Not fringe, fringe pieces. Not French pieces. Fringe pieces. I was like, they pick up like Rudy Gobert when I wasn't paying attention, or Luau Cabrero. Good old Rudy. <laughs> Denver Nuggets over under this season. This is a fascinating number to me. Forty eight. Hmm. Yeah. Guys, how do you guys feel about forty eight wins for the Nuggets? Obviously, the Jamal Murray piece is the X factor. If he has some sort of quick recovery. I don't know, has the chance to impact more games. My gut tells me to take the under. I am with you. Under seems right for me as well. 48 is a lot of wins. Yep. They were still pretty dang good whenever they lost Murray. I mean, they made a pretty deep playoff run Mm -hmm. without Murray. But with all the talent at the top of the West, I think I'll have to take the under. Maybe not by much. Maybe like 43, 44 wins. I was going to go like 45, 46. Mm-hmm. They're going to be a little over 500. Yep. But you get Jamal Murray back in place of whoever they're going to. I mean, are they going to start Austin Rivers? <sighs> Monte yeah, Morris. Have, uh, I mean, Jamal Monte Murray is, is a is a massive upgrade to that. That's worth five or six mm-hmm. wins alone. Yep. You know? I hate Austin Rivers. <laughs> Why? <sighs> I just hate his face. And I hate most people that go to Duke. And I'm not a big fan of his dad. Okay. Anyway, it's all personal, clearly. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You need to work some things out in therapy, Justin. (laughs) Let's move on to, I think, an interesting team next year as well. The Minnesota Timberwolves. End of the season 23 and 49. 13th in the Western Conference. They were bad. They got a high lottery pick. Did they may what what no their pick went? I'm sorry. They had no picks. Out. Their pick went to Golden State, pick number seven, which ended up being um Jonathan Kaminga. I went blank mm-hmm. there for a second. Jonathan Kaminga. Justin, tell us a little bit about what Minnesota did in the offseason. They signed a bunch of dudes that you've never heard of. Um probably won't make a big impact. But they also signed, uh, acquired Patrick Beverly That's in a trade one. for Jarrett Culver and Juancho Hernan Gomez. Uh, that was the most exciting thing they did in the offseason, in addition to aforementioned uh, people you've never heard of. So what do we think about the Beverly acquisition by the Timberwolves? I think it's He's an attempt. Yell at cat. It's an attempt to set culture, right? This feels like Jimmy Butler 2.0, except not as good. I was going to say, but how'd that work out? Yeah. It's interesting. (laughs) Like, does Patrick Beverly come off the bench? Do you start Pat Bev and D'Angelo Russell? And then since, um, oh my gosh, I'm doing horrible with names today. Anthony Edwards. Since Anthony Edwards grew over the offseason, he's sliding up to the three. You know, there's a lot of like interesting little little shifts and pieces here. To that culture point, if you didn't listen to Jimmy Butler when he tried to create a culture who's like a good basketball player. Are you listening to Patrick Beverly? The gremlin? No, (laughs) no. Like, does he have the influence to do that? Yeah. 
I'm sure he'll try. I'm not sure. I I just don't see how it gets through. I don't I don't know what the fix is there, but that's the definition of just like a losing culture. Yes. Where they don't they don't know what it takes to be a championship caliber team. I don't think they've ever put in the work required to be a championship caliber team. And they've got talented guys, but there something's got a something's got a switch. And I don't know that Patrick Beverly can flip that switch. I think Anthony Edwards ends up in however many years kind of setting the culture with his personality. It's not going to be mm-hmm. the level of Jimmy Butler or anything, but I think he does set a culture of accountability and hopefully late game. Cause he doesn't give me that vibe right now at all. Right. Mr. A one since day one, you know, seems more <laughs> laid back having fun type of personality rather than accountability personality. Honestly, I think the issues with Minnesota stem from the very top. I mean, I don't know if you guys have watched that two minute clip of Carl Anthony Towns from Media Day. Yep. Sheds a lot of light. It in light of the firing of their general manager, Gerson Rosas, the the bringing up their assistant GM to be the head GM until they find a new guy for the position. I mean, Kat was talking about how many GMs and head coaches and rotating players. He's he said something to the effect of I haven't had a chance to build chemistry and get mm-hmm. close to anybody because everything's always changing and every year is everything is so new. He's never he's gone through so much and and he said basically all I do is just come in and try to be a professional. You know, and, and then you, you think of the stuff Kat's gone through personally, like having family members, including his mother, die of COVID, right? He himself having COVID. Uh, having panic attacks from COVID and from all the stuff that he's gone through. Uh, just that, that dude's been through a lot and that organization has not made things easy. Like, like he mentioned, it's, it has been an up and down journey for the Minnesota Timberwolves ever since they drafted the guy. And that's, I think uh, the players often get a lot of the blame for not having a winning culture, but that, I mean, absolutely from the top down, it's it starts in the front office and i don't know how you can create a culture with that much turnover on that side of things to without a super strong personality in the locker room so it's just it's a tough look for the timberwolves i wouldn't want to be a timberwolves fan because it just feels like they're kind of flailing and it doesn't feel like there's anything that's going to get them to stop flailing in the near future i like their young talent at this point i think i i mean i like Jade Kat, mcdaniels obviously. is good i really like mm-hmm. Jade mcdaniels uh, anthony edwards was a lot better than i thought it would be um, i'm not totally out on josh okoji at this point i do like what they have moving forward i don't i'm not really a huge d'angelo russell guy maybe they can get a hold of ben simmons without giving up a ton and i would i would like that actually but i don't know it's tough it's tough to see them even getting to the play-in i think Ben Simmons is the perfect fit for that team, especially mm. with a guy like Cat at the five. Mm. You play Ben at the four, he solves a lot of your defensive issues. I think he's a great connector piece for that team. It's interesting because I think it was Kevin O'Connor had that report on the ringer that said Ben Simmons and Clutch want Ben to end up at a team that will build their offense around Ben, mm. which sounds like a not good basketball strategy <laughs> plan to me. But what do I know? Yeah. I mean, I think putting four shooters around Ben is, is good, but still massive liability. Mm-hmm. Minnesota is not going to build their offense around Ben Simmons. I see yep. this going one of two ways. This season, Minnesota makes some sort of trade, like for a Ben Simmons, gets better, makes a push, and shows drastic improvement. Maybe they don't make the play-in, but they're like right there on the cusp. Or things as they tend to be in Minnesota, go to shit. And next year, it's not Ben Simmons. It's Carl Anthony Towns we're having this discussion about. Yeah. Is that fair? I think so. I I mean, if they suck again and end up 13th in the West again, if you're Carl Anthony Towns, like it's time to say, I need a change of scenery, right? Yeah. Especially after the fiasco this past week. Uh-huh. And he he would not get near the flack that Ben Simmons has gotten for requesting a trade. Mm-hmm. Like everyone feels bad for Cat at this point for what he's had to go through. 
Ben Simmons got the flack because of how he played on the court mm-hmm. on a winning team that had title aspirations. Yep. Cat is busting his ass on a franchise that cannot pull their head out of the dirt. Mm-hmm. With all that said, the Minnesota Timberwolves over under for this season, 35 wins. Ooh. Under. I feel strongly under. Yeah. Ugh. Wish I could take the Yuck. under. I can't. Like, I would still take the under if you put this at like 32 and a half, I think. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That, that's before a pretty you, drastic drop. Before you said a number, I was going to say 30. So yeah. I'm with you. Yep. Gross. What if they land Ben Simmons and give up have to give up D'Angelo Russell and picks? I don't I think if they gave up D'Angelo Russell some filler um and a couple of picks for Ben Simmons, I kind of like that for Minnesota. I don't know like does D'Angelo Russell help Philly get back into title contention? No. I don't think so. I think they've reached their ceiling already. Yeah. In Philly. It's unfortunate. Unfortunate for them. All right, let's move on to the next team. Oh, a team I'm excited to talk about. <laughs> the Portland Trailblazers. 42-30 and 30 last season, sixth in the West. They lose to the Denver Nuggets, I believe, in five games. Massive PR hit this summer with the Dame Lillard stuff. He publicly comes out and, and says, the roster's not good enough. We need to do something different. And his GM responded to that but well first they hired chauncey billups and that was a huge shit storm mm-hmm. and the way they kind of covered up and didn't let chauncey answer questions about the allegations caused even more of a storm and then they went out in free agency justin tell us what all they did this summer first they re-signed norman powell then they signed cody zeller tony snell ben mclemore and traded for Larry Nance Jr. and Greg Brown. Dun, dun, dun. They had to do the Norman Powell re-signing. Mm-hmm. Yes. That, was, that was an absolute must. Besides that, is it wrong for me to say the biggest, most impactful thing they did was trade for Larry Nance Jr., and they had to give up two picks to do it? You're right. <sighs> You're right. I like Larry Nance. Larry Nance but, is good. But yeah, he's fine. Is he's Larry gonna Nance going to be the difference between you getting your ass kicked in the playoffs all the time and now making a title run? No. no. All it reminds me of is kind of where the Thunder were a few years ago, where it's like you have this roster that's clearly not good enough, and you need to add complementary pieces, but you don't really have the flexibility or the assets to do that. Mm-hmm. And so you're just playing like shuffleboard with these kind of mid-level rotation guys hoping that you get a different combination that works better and like really at that point it feels like you're stuck because i'm not sure there is a combination that just magically clicks and pushes you over the hump it has to be more drastic and it was really interesting to me to see dame's comments in relation to the bucks and how him seeing the Bucks win it all really like excited him and made him more determined than ever to win a championship. And what he should be taking away from that is like CJ's got to go in a drastic move for someone else. Cause that's kind of how the Bucks won a championship. And I think it's a similar story for Portland. Like if they really want to change up this roster, one of the larger pieces has to move in order to get something back that can really change your trajectory otherwise you're just you're you're shuffling role players they need luck or the right the like the perfect playoff matchup they're not a team that can overcome a bad circumstance in the playoffs i don't think Agreed. and and their gm I feel pretty confident after this summer saying one of the worst GMs in the league. I mean, little Shea <laughs> yes. has just been very, very bad. Mm-hmm. Lots of mismanaging, lots of poor decisions. Um, just hasn't been good at all. And so I think there's some issues there as well. Getting a new coach, we'll see what that does for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also lost Zach Collins, which didn't play much for them. Um, but Mello was a big part of that team. He's gone now. Yeah. Uh, 
why they went out and signed another undersized guard who shoots and can't play defense and, and Ben McLemore. I don't know. <laughs> don't you have that in Dame and CJ and Anthony Simons? I I just I don't know. Their 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 team makeup, the 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 style of basketball, the lack of of players. It just I don't think they're that great. They're guard heavy in a league that is now all about being wings, mm-hmm. like very mm-hmm. versatile wings, and they're mm-hmm. all loaded up on guards that don't play defense. They're yep. a team that could use a Ben Simmons. They just have no way to make it happen. Yeah. No. Hmm. And, you know, I think Ben would help solve a lot of their problems as well. He could run pick and roll with Dame. Uh, he could be kind of that defensive anchor for that team. If Ben went to Portland and played like the super athletic Draymond Green role, I think that would change Portland's outlook. I, hmm. They just don't have a way to make that trade happen. Yeah. No. So it goes back to what I was saying earlier of like you get to this point where you know you're not good enough, but you don't have the pieces to shake it up in a way that matters. And it's tough. I don't know. I don't know that Dame's going to get his wish. Yeah. We've been low on a lot of teams recently. <laughs> yeah. Portland's over under 44 and a half. So slightly over 500. Mm. I'll break the mold here. I'll go over slightly because yeah. I think Dame gets you the over there. I think they do have some decent players for the regular season. My worry for them is the playoffs, but I think a healthy yeah. Dame, a healthy CJ, um, a healthy Nurkic. Uh, I, I do think that Larry Nance Jr. makes a difference for them. So I'll take the over on this one, but not by a lot. 45, 46, 47 wins somewhere in there. I agree. I'm probably in the same camp. Uh, Yeah. I'll go over as well. They do always find a way to exceed expectations just because of the continuity they have, how good Damon CJ are together, despite their liabilities on, on defense. So their overlapping skill set. Right. Yeah. They'll have some hot streak in mid January and everyone will talk about, Oh, what are the trailblazers going to do uh, by there? They'll have a hot streak. You mean Dame will have a hot streak, right? Yes. Exactly. And they'll rattle off a number of wins. And then, like you said, come playoff time. I just, I don't, I don't see it with this roster. I, I will. Here. Yeah. I will hear the sentence on a podcast somewhere. Well, look at Portland's net rating with Larry Nance at center. And then <laughs> I'll know uh, I can check out. Yeah. That's very fair. <laughs> Last team for the night, guys. Another interesting one to talk about <laughs> the Utah Jazz. Mm. Ended last season 52 and 20, a crazy pace on a 70, only a 72 game season last year. If it was an 82 game season, I mean, they're pushing 57, 58 wins, which is insane. They are the number one seed in the West last season. Make it to the Western Conference semis, went six games, seven games, six games. Seven games? Seven sounds right. Six or seven. It was game six. <laughs> they lose to the Los Angeles Clippers in embarrassing fashion, a quietless Los Angeles Clippers in game seven. I'm not a Utah fan. I have no problem saying this and letting it be out there on the internet. They lost that series because of Rudy Gobert. Made some changes this offseason. Uh, maybe to try to rectify a little bit of that, Justin. Tell us what all they did. First and foremost, they signed, re-signed Mike Conley. That was the biggest thing I think they wanted to try to do, and they succeeded, so hooray for you. They also signed Rudy Gay and Hassan Whiteside, as well as traded for Eric Pascal. So to your point, Jacob. The Hassan Whiteside (laughs) signing. Do you guys understand it? Because I don't. No. Their issue was that they could not go small in the playoffs. They so. didn't have a big that could space out more than seven feet from the basket to play defense. And they said, let's get more of that. <laughs> let's get another one. Like, why are you doubling down? Yeah. Now, I do think they they got Rudy Gay 
They could play some small ball with Rudy Gay at the five. Um, but they need like a legit small ball five mm-hmm. to really push them over the top, I feel like. Um I got Pascal that. Pascal can be that. I don't know if he's good enough to like play. Do you want to play Pascal at the five in the Western Conference semis in a game no. six? No, no I, I do not. You know, I Did have some feelings, and, and I'm, I'm questioning about saying these feelings. Mm, then that means you should go ahead. This is a safe space. Is Rudy Gobert one of the most overrated players in the league? Oh my. Depends on who you ask, Jacob. If you How ask many defensive Jacob. players in a year has he won in a row now? Is it three? Too three. many. He's won three defensive player of the year awards. He can't defend farther out than seven feet from the basket. I mean, when Terrence Mann dribbles out to the corner three, looks Rudy in the eye and takes a couple of dribbles to warm up to shoot a practice three, and Rudy stands there and looks at him? Defending the rim is an incredibly important skill, but when you are limited defensively, you are a liability to your team. He also can't score on his own. The only time he gets baskets is whenever he gets a lob or just a a dump-off pass. He has no offensive skill creation at all. I mean, shit, if I was 7'3", I could do that kind of shit too. Spicy! You sound like James Harden. Um, I... (laughs) I think he's very overrated. I think it's fair. I think it's it's apparent that when teams know how to counteract him, they can, and he's not shown the ability to adjust. But there's a lot of teams that can't and haven't figured that out, like the Thunder in the playoffs when they faced him. He took Russ's driving ability away, and they never really adjusted or overcame that. He can change a game, and he can change a series, I think what you saw, what you alluded to, Jacob, is a team that adjusted well, figured out how to take advantage of his weaknesses, and it's on him to figure out how to adjust. I'm not sure he can. They're and, very glaring weaknesses, though, mm-hmm. right? It's like, correct. it's not like, oh, he's not as good at this. It's, we know he physically yep. cannot do this thing. I mean, there was a game last season where Joel Embiid didn't play. Ben Simmons started at center for the 76ers and dropped 42 and 12 on Gobert. Yep. Yeah. You know, I mean that he's good in the situations that he in the situations that he is good at, he is elite at. Big strengths, big weaknesses. That's yes. a great way to put it. There's a reason why guys players of his archetype aren't really around anymore because the NBA demands that you can do a lot and that you aren't an exploitable type of player, but Rudy Gobert has shown that in extreme circumstances like the playoffs, playing against a talented team in the Clippers is exploitable to some extent, Mm. at least he is really good. Yeah. And that's why he's still around, you know, and that's why he's the second best player on the jazz because of how good he is at, at rim protection and things like that. But I don't know, pointing out like defensive rating and all of that isn't enough to convince me that he isn't super exploitable. What do we think we see from Mike Conley this year? Yeah, when does he take the dip? Is it this season? Because he was really good last year. Yep. He'll be uh, 34 God. in two weeks. He's he's like Chris Paul, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's just, he's got it, you know? Yep. And I know, like, Utah Jazz fans love Ruby Gobert. And, like, hey, shout out. That's your guy. You know, like, that's I cool, whatever. Yep. Donovan Mitchell is the beating heart of that team. And you go as far as Donnie takes you. I don't personally, I don't love the fit between Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. I understand Utah basically had to sign Gobert to that crazy contract. Cause you couldn't just lose him. But man, as much as I hate Rudy Gobert, I love Donovan Mitchell. Hmm. That guy hmm. is an effing animal. I love that kid. He can like, he's just, he's so good. He is so good. My hope, I know this is far-fetched, but my hope is that Gobert continues to be a liability and a dipshit. (laughs) I hope that the Utah legislature continues to say stupid things about Donovan Mitchell and blame him 
for Bills not passing. <laughs> Did you guys see that? Yeah. 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 And I hope Donnie says, kind of had it here out in Salt Lake City. And the Thunder say, well, Utah. Come on. How do you feel about 30 draft picks? If you put Shea and Donovan Mitchell in a backcourt together, Mm -mm -mm. that's dumb. That's over. Yeah. It's over. Shut it down. That's that's my dream. I know it's not going to happen. I was going to say, that's a, that's a pipe dream. But hey, yeah. Two years ago, one year ago, we would have said the same thing about Ben Simmons. And he's still in Philly. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Utah, don't get rid of one of your only cool things. Donovan Mitchell. Yes. And tell your <laughs> legislatures to shut the hell up. I can't believe that. That blew my mind, man. Idiots. Idiots. Uh... What are your guys' outlook for the Jazz this season? They're like, how good do you think they will be? Because as much trash as I talked on Rudy Gobert, regular season, he is a game changer. That's why he wins so many yes. Defensive Player of the Year awards. Mm-hmm. Defensive Player of the Year was voted on after the finals. I don't think he wins them. But regular yeah. season, he's a defensive nightmare. Yeah, They have they a really be... good team. We didn't mention Joe Ingles, who has been really, really good for them, or yep. Boyan Bogdanovich, who is a damn flamethrower. Mm-hmm. They have a really good team. Yeah, Jordan Clarkson, too. He's like was really good last year at threes, shooting mm-hmm. threes. Jordan I'll be Clarkson's never shocked. Been a jumper he doesn't love. <laughs> I'll be shocked if they can replicate last year. Um, I feel like the West got tougher again, and it just felt like they found something special last season, and we're on a roll that I think will be hard to duplicate. That said, home court advantage in the West, top four seed, I think that's feasible for sure. Yeah. I think their biggest biggest opponents would be, in in the past, it would be the Clippers with Kawhi. He's probably not going to be an issue come playoff time unless he does come back, or it would be a healthy Nuggets team, but Jamal is out. So if they can, I mean, they, they have a shot if they can manage to piece everything together. What they needed was last year to happen this year in these circumstances. Hmm. And for all the things to line up this year, whenever the top end talent has missing crucial missing pieces. But like Justin was saying, I don't know if they can recreate that. Interesting. They have the fourth highest over under in the league. Can you guys, I'm, I'm sure you can guess the three teams that are above them. Yes. Lakers, uh huh. Bucks, uh huh. Nets, uh huh. Okay, those are the only three teams that have a higher over under than the Jazz. Wow, the Jazz is over under for the season 52 wins, which is the same number they won last year, yeah, right, but with 10 more games to play, right? Yeah, that's interesting. That's super interesting. I'm gonna take the over here. I think I flirt with the over, yeah, yeah. You mentioned the West got better. I think that's debatable. Like, did Minnesota get better? Don't think so. Did Portland get better? Don't think so. Lakers <laughs> yeah. or not? The, the Lakers did get better, but how yeah. often are those guys going to play? Because they're all like about to collect retirement. The Clippers are worse. They're injured. Yeah. Rockets are worse. New Orleans is debatable. Oklahoma City is worse. So it's the same. The same. same. The same. <laughs> you know, I think Phoenix yeah. is probably better. Is Phoenix better? I think Phoenix is probably better. Yeah. Denver, uh, probably worse because they don't have Jamal Murray now. Yep. So I think 50, over fifty-two for the Utah is fair. I, I would I would take the over there. Where are you? Yep. Go? Did you guys already say where you were at? I'm sorry. Yep. Over. Yeah. Over. Okay, we're all going over on Utah. Yeah, I think they're going to be really good. Beautiful. Well, gentlemen, we have one more division to do, and that would be the oh, Pacific oh. Division, which is another really good division. Um, and after we do Pacific Division preview on Sunday night, we're also going to talk a little bit about the Thunder preseason because the first preseason game comes Monday night, 7 p.m. against the Charlotte Hornets. Kamiar and I actually will be in attendance at that game. Nice. Very nice. uh, Should be a good time. My first time uh, back to that arena. Now the Paycom arena in 19 months. 
crazy. I think it's 19 months. Long time. So pretty, pretty crazy. All right. Well, let's get out of here. Silva, bump that outro music. Thank you guys so much for joining the show. If you were on the live version with us tonight, hey, thanks a lot. We enjoy having you guys along. Everyone was getting active in the chat. So thank you so much for that. If you're on the podcast version of this, thanks for downloading our show. We appreciate you. Make sure that you hit that subscribe button. Drop a five-star rating while you're at it. We'll be back with you guys again Sunday night to preview Thunder preseason basketball in the Pacific Division. And then Monday night with a post-game podcast. Cannot wait. So excited to finally watch this team play. You guys have a great rest of your week. Enjoy your weekend. Watch some football. Come join us on Sunday night, and we will talk to you soon. Until then, and as always, Thunder Up. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.